your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 17. We'll be there in just a, a moment. As we continue in our series in the book of John, the, the life and ministry of Jesus, we've not been going through chapter by chapter, but we've been going through key thought by key thought and bouncing around to see the great food that's in this awesome book. We're going to be in there tonight. But before we do, I want you to think about a question that is often posed this time of year. What do you want? I got a text from my extended family a couple weeks ago that said just that. What do you want for Christmas? That would have been a good answer, Joe. But I said Nike low-cut running socks. Now that I think about it, I probably should have said Jesus, Joe. That would have been a much better answer. In, in fact, I don't know what it is you want for Christmas, but I just keep a shopping cart of wish lists in Amazon ready at any moment in case that question comes up. In fact, over Christmas break, I don't know if you've ever caught yourself doing this, but sometimes when I'm just relaxing and the family's doing different things, I may open up my phone or open up my laptop and, and I may just start a wish list. I may just start a dream list. And there's a couple of websites that, that, that I'll go to. Uh, it, it may be a bicycle building site and, and I'll just build a bicycle from scratch with all the perfect components that I could ever hope for and then see the price tag is about the price of a car and so I just delete it. But I had fun wishing for it. I don't know what it is that you want, but have you ever put together a bucket list? This is a, a list of things that you want, you want to do, or you want to achieve, or you'd like to see before your time is done. My wife creates bucket lists, I think, daily. Uh, often a uh, family uh, fun time around the table or in the living room is what we'll talk about a bucket list. What would you like to do before you die? What is it you'd like to see before you die? And I've picked up something over the last uh, uh, 16, almost 17 years. 17 years, don't tell mom I said 16, over the last 17 years, is that her bucket list changes. There's some things that she really wanted to do or really wanted to see when we first got married, but as time goes on, those kind of faded and there's new things that come onto the bucket list. But I would just imagine what would your bucket list look like if you, you knew for sure that you only had a few more moments to live. It would hone that bucket list. It would eliminate some things. I doubt that my wish list would say Nike low-cut running socks. I would hope that my answer would be more like yours, Joe, and would say Jesus. Well, we're going to look tonight not at what you want or what I want or what's on your bucket list or what's on my bucket list, but that is where we find Jesus in this text. He is talking to the Father. He is talking to the one who can give all things, and he's pouring out what he desires, what he wants, what he longs for, what's on his bucket list as he's in his final moments here on earth. Take your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 17. I'm going to have a friend come read the scripture for us tonight. But John chapter 17, verse 20 through 26, you read silently as my friend reads for us aloud. John 17, 20 through 26. John 17. Oh, hold on. We're going to get this mic going here. We ready, guys? Is this an okay one or should I use Pastor Edgar's? Very good. We'll do this. John 17. 
20 through 26. John 17, 20 through 26. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. <clears throat> I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you love me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know you, that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I ask that you'll help us not just go over the scripture tonight and to find a couple nuggets of interesting facts. But Lord, our desire is to hear from you and to be fed by you. So Lord, as you highlight and breathe on your word again, would you show us action steps of how we can be obedient to your word tonight? Because we're hungry. We want to be fed. We want to do your will as it pertains to this passage in the context of our life. We're listening we don't want to just hear, but we want to be doers of your word. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, let's dive into John 17, 20 through 26. We just heard that. You see that in your hands there. Uh, tonight we'll refer back to that a couple of times. So keep your Bible open so you can look back to some of those verses. But there's a few key thoughts that I want us to see, a couple key points. And then we'll look at what we can do with this and how we can live this passage out. But to dig into it first, let's look at number one. Jesus prayed for all those who will believe. That's what verse 20 tells us. And you look there in the text, it says uh, he is praying for all those who will believe. Not just for the original disciples, but for all those who will hear from their message and will believe in him. That's who he is praying for. Think about that for a minute. Did you know, have you thought about recently that Jesus prayed for you. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Emmanuel, God with us, He prayed for you. He not only prayed for you in His final moments, but you are still on His mind tonight. Well, what did He pray for? If He was praying for you, if He was praying for me, every believer who would come after those original disciples, what was it that He was praying for? And number two, Jesus prayed, in verse 21 through 23, some specific things. We need to know what it was He prayed for, because in essence, this is what He wanted. This is what He was hoping for. This is what He was going to the Father on behalf of. This was His bucket list, if you will. 
These were the things that when he knew he only had so many more moments left on earth, this is what occupied his mind. This is what he wanted to fill his prayer with, and you were a part of it. First, we see that Jesus prayed that all of his disciples would be in perfect unity, in perfect unity with each other, patterned after the unity between Christ and the Father. That's what he prayed for. Now, if I was Jesus, I don't know that that would have been on my bucket list. I could think of a lot of things that I would want to take to the Father, knowing what was coming down the pike for Jesus in those final days. But this was heavy on his mind. This is what he thought of when he thought of you. He prayed that you and I would have unity with one another, perfect unity, patterned after the unity the same way that the Father and the Son loved each other. The union of the church, of the body of believers, of disciples, the union of you and I is not patterned after some earthly organization or any well-meaning intentions in our humanity. See, God joins our spirit through the Holy Spirit because Jesus' blood is thicker than water, thicker than human bonds. The emphasis of this prayer centers on spiritual unity, not organizational unity. And it's got to be understood in light of John 10, 30, where Jesus says, I and my Father are one. This unity, this oneness that they had, this was the unity he was praying for us. And if we're to understand the unity of the church, we first have to understand the unity between the Son and the Father. So that's the second thing here. Jesus prayed that all his disciples would be in him, in Jesus, and in the Father. Jesus desired, what he longed for, what he hoped for, what was on his bucket list, is that you and I would be in him. That we would be in the Father. That's what he wanted. And and he wanted unity to come out, oneness to come out, the love that the Son and the Father had for each other. He wanted that, that for us to have with one another. But to be in him was key, and he knew that that was what it would take. See, Jesus knew for us to be one like that, to be united like that, to love like that. He knew that you and I don't have it in us. That's why he prayed that we would be in him and that he would be in us so that he could give us that unity, give us that oneness, give us that love. And Jesus then knows that he would transform the hearts of his disciples, his followers, all those who will believe. He would change us and he would help us love like him. Why was this important to Jesus? Why was it so important to him that we would love each other the way the Father and the Son love each other? Why was it so important that we would remain in him and then he would remain in us? Well, part of it, letter C in your outline there, is is the fact that Jesus prayed that the world would believe in him as a result of our unity. Again, this is strange. I don't know this would have made even like my top ten on my bucket list if this was my final moments. But thank goodness Jesus is who he is and I'm not in his place. This is what he was interceding to the Father for. This is what he was crying out to. And he wanted this oneness. He wanted this unity so that a watching world would believe in him. Not by how smart we are. Not by what we could cite or, or transcribe of the things of God. But that the way you and I would love each other would point people to Jesus. Jesus didn't pray for oneness or unity of the believers so that we would be nice. 
He didn't pray for oneness or unity so we could just sing kumbaya together. Or so we could just keep the peace. It was much more to it than that. Jesus wanted oneness between the, us, the way it was between the Father and the Son. Why? So that the world might believe in Jesus. Jesus wanted to reach the world through his love. The love that he had for the Father and the Father had for him, that's how he wanted to reach the world, but he chose to do it through you and through me. A love that was not of this world, a love that would point people to Jesus. Now this love the Father has for the Son, it's so immense, it's so spectacular, it's so glorious that it brings Jesus to verse 24 that now he shifts into this next item on the bucket list. He wants us to be one with one another, to experience the love the Father has for the Son and the Son has for the Father. He wants it to overflow in the world around us. And he's thinking about how intense and glorious and spectacular that love is. And then he just kind of takes a left turn, it feels like. But it's connected. You see, Jesus looked forward to the time when all his disciples would be in his Father's house. Look at verse 24. I, I want them to to be with me where I'm going, and that they might see my glory there as, as you have loved me from the beginning of all creation. Uh, I want them to experience this. As he was talking about this love that would unite us, that would spill out into the world, he can't help but think about heaven. That's interesting to me. See, if the disciples listened to this prayer, which I, I believe they did, They may have remembered Jesus' teaching from John chapter 14 as he promised them that they would eventually arrive to the place where he was going. They eventually would get to heaven where he is going. And he wanted to see them there, and he wanted them to see what was there. See, they had seen Jesus scorned. They had seen him hated on earth. Soon they would see him killed. Soon they would see him buried. But they had never seen the splendor of heaven and his role as the son that is beloved by the father and the presence of the father of the son. They had not experienced that. And Jesus said, oh, I can't wait for them to be there. Just like you would invite your friend over to your house to see the remodeling project that you've done where you've made it so comfortable, you've made it so tailor-made to who you are, it's an expression of, of, of how you live, you invite them into your home, Jesus says, oh, Father God, is I think about wanting them to be in me and for me to give them the glory that you've given to me so they can love the way that you and I love. I can't wait till they can see it, the full extent of this in heaven. On my bucket list, Father, I want them to join with us in heaven. Notice that heaven is heaven because of the presence of Jesus, not because of any other physical or material things see we need to remember that the lord was always a pilgrim he was always a stranger on earth now he's praying for this guest us to come to his home in heaven he's recognizing that all the things that are happening here aren't going to last forever and he longs for us to be in heaven and that's what makes heaven the presence and the love of jesus let's move on let's keep weaving through and we'll come back and see what jesus has for each of us personally in this number four We see in verse 25, while the world does not know the Father, Jesus will make the Father known to his disciples. That's what he's praying in verse 25. The world doesn't know me, but I am making you known to those who are following me. 
What does Jesus want? What's on his bucket list? What does he long for? What does he want so badly in his final moments? He's crying out to the Father, the one who can make all things happen. He says, I want them to know you, Father. See, you and I, we cannot know God. We cannot know the Father apart from Jesus. Jesus knows that. And he says, let me make them know you. Let me make you known to them. Not only can we not know the Father, the world cannot know the Father. Jesus felt like it would make his bucket list for you and I to know the Father intimately. Fifth, the purpose of Jesus' making the Father known to us is so that the very love of God may be in us. The very love of God in us. It's not our own love cleaned up. It's not our love plus some help from heaven. No, the purpose that Jesus had for us to know the Father was not to know a few things about the Father, not to have an answer to a trivia question somewhere, and not to gain some other catechism to put underneath our belt, and we've got one more piece of knowledge about Jesus. No, it was to, to have His love in us, His perfect love, the very love that God the Father had for the Son. That was what He wanted in us expressed towards one another, overflowing out on a world around us. That's what Jesus wanted in his deepest hour. So what do we do with all this? It's kind of a good little overview of a passage of Scripture. It's interesting. We can see some connecting thoughts, but how do we chew on this? And and how might the Lord breathe on this and speak to us? You see, every time we come to the Word, we don't just want to look for a nugget of, of information. We want to say, Jesus... What are you saying to me? How could I be obedient to you in this passage of Scripture? Friend, I believe that Jesus really did pray for you and for me. I believe he had you specifically in mind. The omniscience of the Son. As he prayed for all those who would believe, he counted you in on that. I believe with everything in my heart that he was praying for you and he is still having you on his mind he wanted he desired he longed for these things and he's longing for that tonight how could we join him in his longing in his desire for these things to be true in our life well i believe we need to recognize a few things look with me at how we could possibly live out john 17 we first would have to recognize that we need some things we need faith we also need to be encouraged. That encourages my faith when I think of that, Joe. Friend, you need to be encouraged. You might be here tonight and you might agree with that. I need to be encouraged. You might feel tired. You might feel weary. You might feel overlooked tonight. You might feel unappreciated tonight. You might feel distracted or discouraged or defeated. Friend, when you hear the call that you need to be encouraged, you say, I'm right there, I need to be encouraged then listen because this is for you. But there may be some, when you hear this, that you need to be encouraged, you might be thinking, nah, I'm good. I got everything pulled together. I'm doing fine. Encouraged? I'm, I'm fine. I'm self-sufficient. I got it. Could I strongly suggest to you, friend, you need to be encouraged by this tonight. It's not about what you are feeling right now. You have no idea what tomorrow will bring for you. 
You have no idea what person that God will bring across your path that you are to pour into tomorrow. You have no idea what situation will explode on you tomorrow. You and I both need to be encouraged. Well, how are we encouraged? Whether we can see the need or not, we know that we have the need. How can we be encouraged? First, remember that Jesus prayed for you. Remember you made his bucket list. Remember that you were not only on his mind then, you are on his mind now. Just think of the last time you were in a gathering with a lot of people and somebody very important was there. And they recognized you by name. It may have been as simple as a family gathering and people who you would expect to know your name, but they call you by name and it warms your heart. It may be at a company event. And the top boss is there, and they call you out by name, and you're trying not to blush, but inside you just feel pretty good because they know who you are. It may be a long-lost friend that you haven't seen in a while, but they have really made some success in their life, and you meet at a high school reunion or a college reunion, and they call you out by name, and, and you feel affirmed. It may be that mentor or that family member you've looked up to your whole life and and they've been short on words, but in this moment they call you by name and you can see the way they call you by name. There's affirmation there. Friend, when Jesus has you on his mind, he is declaring his love for you. We, We can't go any farther in this passage until we understand that Jesus is thinking about you. It's not just kind of, uh, what do you want for Christmas? It's not just kind of a a wish list that you throw together on Amazon somewhere or some bike building site and and just, oh, whatever, someday that would be kind of nice. And it's not even just this pie in the sky bucket list that someday before I, it's the final moments where you could almost count the breaths that you have less. This is what I desperately want to see take place. Jesus was thinking about you in those moments. He loves you deeply. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, loves you. Know that not only did the Father hear, but He answered Jesus' prayer for you. Father God heard Jesus, but He answered Jesus as well. It has been done. The price has been paid. The glory has been given. The love has been released. Hope is here for you today. Victory is yours. That's your encouragement. That's the strength that you need. But you need more than just the encouragement. You need the other things that Jesus prayed for as well. Can I suggest, friend, that you and I, to be obedient to this passage, we need to recognize that you need the unity of Christ. Now, if that's what Jesus had number one on his bucket list, you need it. The one who knows you better than you know yourself, saying this is what you desperately need, we can rest assured that we need the unity in Christ. Now, don't misunderstand, this is not a call for you and for me to to work harder, to try to earn or conjure up some kind of self-disciplined human unity. No. If we remain in Christ, He gives it to us. See, our part is not to create unity, for we cannot do that on our own. 
Our responsibility lies in maintaining and expressing the unity given to us in Christ. That's what our action step is. It's to say, Jesus, the love that you poured in me, the glory that you have received from the Father that you've given to me, you've poured this love into me, I'm humbled, I'm honored, I'm touched. You want me to maintain this love and to express this love to give unity. I don't have to just try harder to be nice to you. You don't have to just try harder to be nice to me. Because all that is is just us trying in our own strength. But when we tap into the love that Jesus has poured out to us and we begin to love each other with that, something happens. Jesus says, that's exactly what I wanted for you. The call to remain in Christ is not just for your own good. It's for the good of everybody around you. It's for the good of a watching world that we've talked about and we'll come back to in a moment. Okay, but, but how do we do that? How do we have that unity and maintain and express that unity and jesus talks about it the only possible way to have unity among believers is for all of them to find unity first with god in christ now don't miss this this is so powerful we all need first and foremost to have unity in god through jesus christ before any type of loving one another that means your first and foremost responsibility tonight is to get as close to jesus as you can How many times do we confess our our belief in Jesus, we we sign a membership covenant somewhere, we agree with a doctoral statement somewhere, we sign up for service and tasks somewhere, and those are all good and necessary things. But then when it comes to loving one another or having unity with one another, we feel lacking or we, God help us, blame it on a spiritual gift, which is a perversion of what that passage is all about, and we just say, well, I I just don't have the gift of compassion, or I just don't have the gift of love, or I just don't... Hogwash, that's silliness, but that's another sermon. But we begin to excuse all these things, but there's a lack of love for each other. We first need to go back and say, wait a minute, let's examine, how's my relationship with Jesus? Am I first and foremost trying to get as close to Jesus as I possibly can? So I ask you, friend, tonight, how is your relationship with Jesus these days? Not like ever, but like tonight. You don't have to tell me. I'd be happy if you want to tell me. You don't have to tell me. You don't owe it to me. You don't owe it to the person next to you, but the one who died for you in his final moments prayed that you would be in him, that you would be intimate with him, that you would be close with him. In fact, he says all these other things of the whole prayer that I prayed in my final moments cannot happen unless you get close to me. How is that relationship with Jesus going? Without a vibrant, up-to-date relationship with Jesus, you'll never have what he desperately wanted for you. As you get close to Jesus and continue to get closer to Jesus, your daily relationship will grow. Your daily feeding will grow. Your daily obedience will grow as a result of that feeding. And get this. Look at verse 22. He will give you, Jesus will give you the glory that the Father gave to him. Now, this is a verse that I think sometimes when we just want to just kind of go through the motions and we don't want to just kind of, you know, break out of our, our pattern of, of church, we kind of skip over. The glory of God, the glory of God is given to you through Jesus as you get close to Him. How much glory of God do you have in you and on you 
tonight. I'm not trying to make you feel discouraged. I'm opening up an invitation. Jesus says, oh, Father, in my final moments, what I would want more than anything in the world is for them to love each other the way that you and I love each other. For them to to have this love fest with your love the way we do, and the watching world would be all messed up because of it. And they would believe in me because of the way they love each other. It's that love that's his glory. Now, we'll connect those dots in just a minute. But but that's part of of what Jesus desperately wanted. He answered that prayer. Number two, we need the unity of Christ. Our part is not to create the unity, for we cannot do it on our own. Our responsibility is to maintain and express the love. The only possible way to have unity among believers is all of them to find unity first in God in Christ. And now we see, as a disciple, you are alone, the one to share the glow. A light from within, the wonderful glory of God in Christ. Think about the glory of God that's been given to you. Is it glowing out in a way that anybody can see it, or is it just dampened? Is it lost, or have you even seen it there? Don't depend on someone else or something else to be the the glowing light of Jesus. Jesus planned on it being you. In his final moments, he hoped that it would be you. Not that you conjure it up or you work it up, but what he has given to you, he hopes that you would radiate with his glory. Does the world see Jesus in you as a result of your unity with other believers? I'm not just asking does the world see Jesus through you, but does the world see Jesus... In you, by the way you love other Christians. And not just by your good deeds or your good works or your lack of bad deeds or your lack of bad words, but the way you love another Christian, do people see the very glory of God in you? What does a watching world see of Jesus by the way we love the church, the body of Christ? Friends, we can be so hard on each other. Have you noticed that sometimes the ones that we are closest to get the most harsh part of ourselves? Whether it's your spouse or your kids or your parents or your extended family or your your close friends at church or or other believers, we can be so hard on them at times. And Jesus is saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, love them the way that I love the Father and the Father loves me. Be careful how you talk about the church. Be careful how you talk about other Christians. Be careful how you dismiss the church. Be careful how you dismiss other Christians. Jesus longed for it on his bucket list that you would have a captivating love for them. You see, the glory of Jesus has been given to you to love on your brother and sister in Christ. To love them so loudly, to love them so publicly, to love them so authentically that it stops the world in their tracks. They stop and say, what is going on over there? Now, here's what I think we we misinterpret this. We think that, well, we should all dress alike. We should all look alike. We should all agree that ham and green olives is the best combination that you'd ever put on a pizza of any kind. That's not at all what Jesus is talking about. 
He's not saying we'll all have the same tastes, we'll all have the same likes, that we'll all have the same opinions. He's saying, in fact, that you and I would love each other the way the Father loves each other. What does it have to do with what our favorite color is? What does it have to do with our favorite song? What does it have to do with any preferences we have? It's much better to ride a bike than to run and jog. Everybody knows that. That's my opinion. But what what does that have to do with it? It has nothing to do with it. It's not about us all agreeing on every single thing. It's not even all about us not just arguing, though it's good not to argue. There's other passages that talk about not arguing. It's saying, do you love the person in this room the way the Father loves the Son? Whoa, that's kind of weird, Brady. I'm not a touchy-feely person. Argue with Jesus. It was on his bucket list. I told you, I probably wouldn't have asked for that. But he asked for it. He asked that you would love the person next to you the way the Father loves the Son. That's pretty intense. He he longs for us to have that. In a watching world, when they see us love each other that way, and, and they know that we honestly disagree, they know that we don't have the same opinions, they know that we're not of the same generation, they know these things, but they see a passionate love with one another. It's a love that's not in this world. It's a love that they can't make sense of. It's a love they can't get anywhere else. We don't have to entertain people. We don't have to have any kind of uh, smoke and mirrors and lights. They stop and they say, there's something here in your presence that I can't find at the mall. I can't find at, at, at the arena. I can't find it online. I can't find it in, in my school. I can't find it at work. I can't find it on Amazon. I can't find it anywhere else. What is it that you have? Jesus says, that's what's on my bucket list. That we would love each other that way. As a disciple, you alone share the glow of the light from within the wonderful glory of God in Jesus Christ. Does anybody see Jesus in you as a result of your unity with other believers? And, and third, what do we need to know? We need to know that, we need to recognize rather that You need to live like a foreigner. I need to live like a foreigner. Remembering that this world is not your home, that this world is not my home. See, you are not created for this world. I was not created for this world. You are living and I am living for another world. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a disciple of Christ, if you're a Christian, you are not living for right now. Regardless of what you think or how you act or where you place your hope, that's not what you were created for. Don't get comfortable here. Don't get caught up in the trouble here. We're only passing through. And remember that Jesus is looking forward to showing you his glory, the full extent of his love in the presence of the Father. That's heaven. That's what he's looking forward to. Now get this. I believe that the best part of heaven will be the full extent of the glory of Jesus, the full extent of Christ's love in the presence of the Father. It'll be so spectacular, so amazing, so captivating. It will be the very essence of heaven. Hey, there's going to be your loved ones there. There's going to be no more sickness or pain there. There's going to be streets of gold. There's going to be all kinds of mansions and and great feasts and all these things, but it's going to be nothing compared to the glory of Jesus. When we see the the full extent of Jesus' love and the presence of the Father, Jesus says, I can't wait. 
So here Jesus is talking about this love that he and the Father have, and he wants us to have it, and then he gets sidetracked in his bucket list. And he says, oh, yeah, Father, one more thing. I just can't wait till they get to heaven. Because the full extent of this love that we're talking about, they will see it. It's going to be so good. I want them to live for this. Remember that what makes heaven wonderful more than anything else is Jesus' glory and the full extent of his love being displayed in the presence of the Father. That's what we are living for. That's the target. That's the end game. In closing tonight, friend, Jesus was convinced that you need to know the Father. That's what was in his prayer. That was what is in his, his bucket list communication to the Father. As Jesus makes the Father known to you, you need to expect some things. You need to know the Father. And as Jesus does this, expect, be prepared, remember that I warned you that this will take place. The same love the Father has for Jesus will be extended to you. As Jesus makes the Father known to you, it's not just that you see another aspect of God and and you have a a, a deeper theology or you have uh, more words to talk about Him. Those are good things and that happens. Hey, you will have the full extent of the Father's love extended to you. That same love of the Father will be extended to you. When you get to know the Father, you are drenched in His love for you. It will change you. It will, it will mess up how you think about yourself. If you desire to keep self-loathing, to keep hating yourself, this isn't going to work. He is so head over heels in love with you, it's going to get all over you. It's going to saturate you. It's going to change your sour attitude. He's going to call you to see yourself the way he sees you, and it will bring hope into your life. Just expect it. It's not maybe, but it will happen. God's great love is extended to you. Now, you need to remain in Christ. There's our action step, but he will give it to you. He will do the heavy lifting as long as we remain in him. The same love the Father has will be extended to you. Now expect, next, the Father to put his love in you for others. If you have trouble loving other people, go back to letting the Father love you. I'm convinced that most of the time when someone has trouble loving others, they've really not accepted the love that Jesus has for them. When you are so drenched in the love the Father has for the Son, and you see that it's extended to you, you see how unworthy you are, you see how you don't deserve it, you see how all-encompassing it is, how satisfying it is, how spectacular it is, how so much better than streets of gold and and heavenly feasts and seeing those who have died uh, alive with you and no more pain and sorrow, it's better than that. It made Jesus' bucket list. When, When you see that love for you, how can you not... Let that love get out on someone else. The Father will put His love in you for others. You'll begin to say, what's with me? I'm not usually that compassionate. What's with me? I'm not usually that loving. And finally, expect increased intimacy with the Father and the Son. Expect there to be a oneness. Expect there to be a closeness. Expect there to be a deepening. Now, as I say this, I don't want you to let the enemy get on your shoulder and say, well, if you're a good Christian, like Pastor Brittany was talking about, then you'd always feel deep spiritually. You'd always feel encouraged. You'd always feel like you're, you're at the top of your game and you're the sharpest. No, that's silliness. 
Friends, if Satan can't get you to live all the way down here in willful disobedience, he'll get you to feel like you should be way up here. Hear me? It didn't make Jesus' bucket list for you and I to be without air. It didn't make Jesus' bucket list for you and I to always be happy, for you and I to always be smiling, for you and I to always be comfortable, for you and I to always be self-confident, for you and I to always be 100% sure of what's going to take place next. No, what it was on his bucket list is love. It was his glory. That what would radiate out of him is the glory the Father gave to him. It was his love for him. He says, I'm going to give them that glory. Expect the intimacy of God in you. It's the radiating glory of his love for you. I don't know if I have that, Brady. If you find yourself asking the question, I don't know if I have it. All you and I are to do is to sit and be still and let him give it to us. To receive it. If... If you'd like some help in, in knowing how to do that, talk with me after. I would love to help you in that. I'm not the guru. He's the guru. But I've just got splashed on enough by his love that it, it, it's, it's dangerous. So if you don't want your life messed up, then, then don't talk to me about it. But when you begin to see how much Jesus loves you, there is an intimacy. Now, guys, I'm gonna, now I'm going to start borrowing some minutes from heaven because our, our time is seven, but I'm not done. So if you need to leave, just leave. Guys, sometimes we uh, shrink back at this word intimacy. We, we kind of think that, that's, a, that's a sensual thing. I'm a man. That's weird to talk about God the Father and I have an intimacy. Hey, hey, let God explode your mind to a deeper level in what intimacy really means. When we begin to see this deep love the Father has for us, it's not this earthly eros love. There is a a deeper love of being known and knowing the one who created you, of being accepted, of being filled with his perfect love. It, It is the best wholeness you could ever have, the best strength, the best confidence, the best fulfillment to conquer and to be strong and courageous because he is your God. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Be strong and courageous. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Be strong and courageous. We like to focus, men, on being strong and courageous. Don't let the love note from the Father get out of your lips. That's what gives you strength. This intimacy is strength in the Lord. It's a purity. It's the pure, refined gold of that relationship is there. Ladies, who stereotypically, not all, men or all women, who get relational stuff better than us men, help us here. If, if relationship is not how you describe what's happening between you and Jesus, begin to hunger for something more. Question and seek something more. What do you want? What's on your wish list? What's on your bucket list? Not just, you know, for the next... 10, 20, 40, 50 years. If this was the very last week of your life, what do you want to give your time to? What do you hunger for? I don't believe I don't believe I have any special premonition about the length of my life, but I just feel like the amount of time I have to live is so short compared to everything else, I don't have time to waste it with anything else. Jesus loves 
you. Heavenly Father,